Good morning. Man, I love that guy. I'm telling you, he is a real deal uh, and a very good friend. Uh, so thanks, Griff, for sharing your story. You know, I love those stories. Uh, I've seen them all, and I just love to see them again. Sometimes I just go through and watch them because I love to hear what God's doing in people's lives and the impact that he is making. And I know that he can do it in so many more lives. That's what we're all about. You know, our vision as a church is to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. And when that happens, lives are automatically going to change. Well, you know, uh, today we're going to continue this series that we're in. We've been in for a few weeks now, and to me it's fresh. Sometimes series get a little bit um, mundane as you kind of walk through them. You know, you're talking about similar things, but in this one, we're talking about identity and trying to find out who in the world we are, who we think we are, who God thinks we are. And we're, at the same time, we're studying through the book of Ephesians, so it gives us a different slant on everything. And we're finding all these different facets of our life that God is, is filling in for us. And so today we're going to be talking about the topic, I am heard, I am heard. You know, I have uh, met a lot of people in, in my life and, and ministry. A lot of people come in uh, and want to talk and want to talk about what's going on in their world with a lot of different things. Sometimes, I know this is hard to believe, but sometimes come, people come in and they want to complain. And uh, they want to share something with me. Sometimes they want to complain about the church. Sometimes they want to complain uh, about somebody in the church. Sometimes, even harder to believe, they want to complain about me personally, which is hard for me to accept, you know. Uh, but sometimes they just want to talk about life. I remember one time, really clearly, this young man came in. He was in college. I think he had been in about a year. And he came in, and he said, I need, really need to talk to you, Randy. I really need to talk. I got a real need. He sat down, and he said, I need money for college. And I'm like, I hear you, buddy. I got four kids. Uh, you know, I hear, I hear your issue. Some of those things I can help with, some I can't, you know. But here's what I've discovered down through the years when people want to talk is that mostly people want to be listened to. People want to be heard. You know, sometimes I can't help a problem. Sometimes I can't change any situation. Sometimes I can't change people. Sometimes it's their own problem they're dealing with that they need to change. But really what we want to, we want to be heard. We need to be validated. We need somebody just to say, hey, I hear you. You know, I hear you talking. I, I, I know what you're saying, and I understand, you know, that, and uh, I can't change it, or maybe I can, but I just, I just hear you. And you know what? There's something that's satisfying and fulfilling psychologically just to know that even though if somebody can't solve a problem, they at least will listen to your problem, and they'll hear what you have to say. I think that's true in every area of life. It's true in marriage. When you stop talking and you stop listening to one another, then the marriage starts to break down, doesn't it? It's also true in friendships. Sometimes we just need people that will just talk, you know, that they'll just listen to us. They don't have to fix our problem. Guys, we don't have to fix our wife's problems. Uh, if you're like me, you know, my wife is talking, my, my gears are already moving, man. I've got the solution. Before she stops talking, I'll tell you what she needs to do. Is she doesn't need that. She just needs to be listened to, right? In the workplace, sometimes you got better information than your boss has. They just need to listen to what you had to say. And if you're a boss, sometimes just listen to the people. Just listen to be heard because that's what we all need. Now, I say that, and we all can probably identify in those several situations, but I think the same thing is true with us and God because we are made and created to the fact that we need to have a relationship with this, this being, this heavenly being who already knows everything. It's not like we're informing God. Oh, God, by the way, something happened today I should tell you about. God doesn't need to, to know that for information, but we need to tell him that. We need to talk to God. And so understand that as we talk today, we're going to talk about prayer. I hope that's obvious. 
But the topic is, I am heard. And we're going to be taking our scripture from Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. So it's on the screens. Grab your Bibles, whichever way you prefer. Here's what Paul says. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever Amen. Now, a few weeks ago, when we were introducing this letter, we said that much of this letter is prayer. So we're seeing just little sections of prayer throughout the letter of the, of the, letter of the uh, book of Ephesians. And this is one of those sections. In fact, if you look at that, you're going to see that it is a prayer because he begins it by saying, I'm kneeling before the Father. And then he talks on and says, I'm praying this and I'm praying that. So with just a little bit of, of insight, you can see that it's a prayer. So that's where we'll start, that Paul is praying both for the church and he's also modeling how to pray. You know, Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, right? But, but the reason he gave that was because the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. We need to know how to pray. And so Jesus said, this is how you should pray then. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer. Well, Paul is, is praying for the church, but he's also teaching them and us to pray as well, and is reminding them that prayer is powerful and that God hears whenever we pray. So today we're going to take some time. We're going to talk about this amazing gift, the power of prayer, uh, because I think prayer is misunderstood and it is undervalued, underused. You know, we're kind of in a season here of, of corporate prayer in our church. Yesterday, uh, we met upstairs uh, in, in our student center. About 9 o'clock, we met for one hour, and we just prayed. It was almost a solid hour of prayer without ceasing. And it was really awesome. It was great. We're going to do it again this coming Saturday uh, at, at 9 o'clock. It's not too early that you can't sleep in. It's not too late that your whole day's shot, all right? Uh, and you can't go on and do more things that, that you might want to do. So I encourage you to come and pray 9, nine o'clock. And then we're going to go and we're going to invite some people to, uh, to our Easter service. But prayer is an important thing that we don't value as much. Today we're going to walk through a discussion of prayer and we're going to talk about several different aspects of prayer and how powerful it is. And to do that, if you're a note taker, you know, I'm one of those people that I can never read my notes when I get done. But while I'm at it, I like to be able to write it down. So if you like to take notes, we're going to use an acrostic, we're going to use the word prayer, and we're going to talk about what prayer is by looking at the word. So write down P-R-A-Y-E-R, and when we get to the R, you'll know we're about done, all right? So that'll help you out. All right, you always need a good gauge, it's nice to have in a talk, right? So let's talk about prayer. What is prayer? Prayer, first of all, is personal. Prayer is personal. That's the P in prayer. Paul tells them that I am personally, and in fact, currently praying for you. It is a personal thing. And he says, I am kneeling before the God of, of, of heaven from every family in heaven and where we get our name from God. So I'm praying right now. You know, we can picture in our mind that Paul is on his knees literally as he is writing this. I would say he's, he's praying and he's asking God's blessing on these people. Now, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I showed you a picture of what a jail cell might look like in that day. And it was kind of a root cellar. So lest you think that Paul's kneeling down on carpet or a foam uh, mat here or something and taking it easy, he was probably in a root cellar in a cold, 
isolated place with the dirt floor or maybe a rock or gravel floor, and he is kneeling down and praying for these friends that he has here uh, in, in the church. That's the picture we get. Paul says, I'm, I'm praying for you, and I'm kneeling while I do it. Now, now, a lot of times we don't kneel in our prayer, and I think we should do that. The Bible talks about a lot of postures in prayer, and kneeling is a sign of surrender. If a police officer were to come up to you and, and ask that you, um, you know, surrender to them, they might say to you, get on your knees, put your hands above your head or behind your head or whatever it might be. It's a sign of surrender. It's a humble position. And maybe we ought to do that more often, just to kneel before God. Sometimes we ought to kneel, but you know, our posture is not the greatest thing. Because we can also pray while we are standing or sitting or laying or walking or driving with your eyes open, I hope. But wherever you are, just make sure that realize that you can pray anytime, anywhere. So there are times of praying and kneeling. There are times of, of walking, of standing, whatever it may be. Prayer can be silent or outside, out loud. You know, I've found that because I'm easily distracted by things, that a lot of times it's best for me to pray out loud. If I can pray out loud, it seems like my conversation and my thoughts can remain on the same track, whereas I oftentimes get distracted praying, praying silently. So we can do that. We can pray in any situation. We can pray alone or in a group like we were talking about yesterday. But however we do it, prayer is important, and prayer is our personal conversation with God. And understand, too, that since it's personal, God listens personally. He does not assign an angel to listen to prayers. It's not like he says, Gabriel, today's your day, buddy. You have to listen to every prayer in the entire world and then report back to me about what, what people need. God doesn't assign that responsibility to angels or anybody else. God hears us personally. That blows our mind. How can he listen to everybody at once? Because he's God, all right? But God hears and God always answers. He promises that. He may say, yes, this is what we're longing for. He may say, no, which is what we don't want to hear. Or he may say, later. But he always answers. He always gives us the answer. You know, I think that, that when we pray, though, that prayer has a dual purpose. We know what we're praying for, right? But I think that many times prayer is primarily to change us. It's to change us and put us in the right frame of mind. So here, here's the thing you got to understand about God. God is always right. He's always right. So if God is doing something, God's allowing something to be done, he's got a plan to, with it. He knows where he's going. We don't know where he's going. And it may not seem like it's working out so well for our plans, but God has a plan. And so what we need to do is basically pray so that we can get on the same page as he is, so we can understand what in the world God is doing and how do we get on that, uh, that, that same page with him. You know, uh, for example, we might pray for God to change somebody. Maybe we even call that person our enemy, that God, please change this person. God may say to us, or maybe he, he won't tell us, but God may say to himself, you know what, that person is not going to let themselves be changed right now. Or maybe it's not even the best thing for them to change, but what you need to do while you're praying is that you need to love that person and change your attitude about that. Change your attitude. Have you ever noticed that many times in our prayer experience that God does not change the situation, but he does change us? to adapt to it, to accept it, to even embrace it. God can do that. Now, for sure, there are times when God does change the situation. I've seen God do that, and you have too. I've seen it in health. I've seen it in relationships and marriages. I've seen it in, in every aspect of life that God changes situations. But maybe God is waiting. I sometimes wonder if God may be waiting to see if it's really important to us before he does anything. 
You know, when my kids were little, they would watch TV, and everything that came on around Christmas time, they wanted. I want that. I want that. I want that. Must sound like God, us, you know, God and us, right? But every now and then, you'd see our kids start honing in on something, and, and you know, they really want this one thing. And so the more they asked, the more we started to see, okay, that's really what they want, and if possible, we'll try to do that. Maybe God sometime is seeing if what we are asking for is really important, and how often, how intense we can be about that. We pray repeatedly for something, and, and not just that God's going to you know, spoil us, but God may be waiting to see if that's really what we want and if it's the best thing for us. But here's the thing, whatever it is, we need to take our issues to God. We may start out one way, but as we talk out that situation with God, as we pray, as we allow God to speak to us, the way we see it changes a little bit. And then we grow in our faith and our trust in God and know that He is doing the best for us. We rely upon His wisdom and His direction, His Holy Spirit to guide us. And suddenly we embrace what we thought we were afraid of or what we were praying against. We just don't need to understand that prayer is deep, it is personal, and God deals with us one-on-one -on -one in prayer. Secondly is relational. Now that sounds the same, but um, we're going to bring some other people into this prayer situation between us and God, all right? Paul says, I bow before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So he says, there's a Father, and there's also a family here together. Now who's the Father? We got that. That is God, right? But who is the family? The family is the church, the family of God. See, the church is a family. It is not a business. Not a business. We have this, a lot of times we have a wrong idea because we have a, you know, a building and we have an organization that the church must be a business of some sort. And every morning whenever I pray, I pray for my family, my wife and kids and, and extended family, and I pray for my church family. I pray for our leaders. I pray for our staff. I pray for you guys if there are special prayer needs that you have. I pray for you guys. Why? Because you're family. And we want to see to the needs of our family, our church family. We want to add to our family. We want more people to come and join that. But we want to pray for strength and health and blessing and well-being and growth for the family. Because if you don't pray for the church, then you're likely to see the church as a business. And, and you start thinking, so what is this business doing for me lately? And I don't know about you, but if I go into business and they don't give me everything that I want, I probably, I don't go back, uh, but, uh, but they're not family right? But I view them that way, and I'm kind of like resentful if they don't give me everything I want. And I've heard people go, well, you know, I'm just not getting anything out of it. I'm not being fed. I think sometimes that's because we view it as a consumer mentality. This is what I need to get, and I'm not getting everything. And if we don't pray for the church, we view it that way. But if you're praying for the church and, and, and praying for it like family, then you start thinking, what can I, what, what can I give? Because, you know, I have never thought about my family, my, my uh, parents and siblings or my children. I have never thought, my family is not, they're not being right to me. They're not treating me right. I, as a dad, I want to give to them. I want to share with them. And so we are a family, the family of God. It's all held together by our Father. And then the next few verses, we talk about some more family members that maybe you never thought about. He talks about the Holy Spirit and about Jesus Christ. Let's include them in the family as well. God the Father, the family, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. Father, Son, and Spirit are what the Bible teaches us make up what we call the Trinity, the three in one. God the Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ our Savior, and the Holy Spirit who is in us all. Jesus died for us. The Spirit is in us by the gift of our, of our salvation. 
And God is over all those things. So here's the thing. Whenever we pray, it pulls together all of it. We pray as a family. We pray to the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, who is the one who gives us access to the Father. None of us are good enough to go to the Father and just say, hey, God, I want to talk to you, just me and you. Can't do that. we got to go through Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our mediator. And then we pray by the Holy Spirit because the Spirit is in us. The Bible talks about the Spirit giving us wisdom in our prayers and making intercession that we can't even, we don't even know what, we're, what we need to pray for sometimes. But God, through His Spirit, brings us uh, to Himself through Jesus Christ. So in, in that process, most of the time when we pray, we close that prayer, or I do, I think it's wise, in Jesus' name. Now, I don't want to be legalistic about that and say that a rule that you have to pray by, but, but I think that's pretty important. I think it's important to say that to remind ourselves and others, if it's a vocal prayer, why do we have the privilege to go to God? Because we do that in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, can we pray to the Holy Spirit? Yes, we can. I don't want to make up rules. We can definitely pray to the Spirit. We can pray and ask the Spirit to help us resist sin because that's the Spirit inside of us. We can ask the Spirit for spiritual gifts. The Bible talks about the gifts that are given to us. We can, uh, we can ask God, uh, ask the Spirit to help us to, to serve one another, understand God's Word, any number of things. So we can pray to the Holy Spirit. Is it okay to pray to Jesus? Yes, many people do that. We can pray to Jesus and thank Him for loving us and dying for us. But the majority of our prayers go to the Father, by the Spirit, through the Son. That's just how our prayer and relationship goes. Now, let me just say this. I think the whole idea of family kind of comes home in prayer through our own families. When you have kids, uh, you see the beauty and the freedom and the power of prayer. You know, I have found since my kids have grown up and moved, some of them pretty far away, I've found that parents spend a lot of their time waiting to hear from their kids. Would you agree with that? <laughs> really, parents are going, yeah, and they don't call often enough or come see us often enough. But I've discovered that through my parents because my parents are always, always wanting to hear from me. And it doesn't matter how much time I go and spend with them, when I get ready to leave, they say, now, when are you coming back? I mean, it's always like that, right? And we always want to see them and we want to hear from them. I think God's like that. I know I'm like that. I, I love to talk to my kids. I love to text them, you know, and, Whatever I can do, I love to see them. Because when you're in family, there's just a connection that says, man, I want, to, I want more time. And I, and I love it when my kids just want time with me. So here's the thing about prayer. Prayer is, it should be enjoyable. It is relational. The family of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Don't get hung up on structure. Just pray. Just do it. All right? Here's the A. The A is asking. This is probably the simplest one. You probably figured this out easily. Uh, prayer is asking, it's petitioning God for things. We're told in the Bible to make our requests known to God. Here's what Paul says in this scripture. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So Paul is praying here that God, who has all the riches in the world, would supply and strengthen believers through his Holy Spirit so that Christ can live in us. And do you notice the word that he uses? That He uses the word dwell, the word dwell. We don't talk a lot about dwell, but we talk about dwelling sometime. And that gives us the idea of kind of permanency. In other words, that, that Jesus is going to come and he's going to make his home with us. He's not going to be a guest. Now, all of us have probably had guests in our home. 
And it might be a good or a bad situation. But one thing is true, it's different when you're a guest in somebody's home than it is when you're a family member. There's different expectations, there's different responsibilities, and, you know, it's just a whole different thing. As much as you love having guests, uh, it's just not the same, isn't it? Christ says, I don't want to be a guest in your home. I don't want you to be look at me like that. I want to be a family member. I want to be a part of you, and I want you to feel free to understand that I'm going to do some work in your home if you'll let me do that, if you'll invite me in and let me live there with you. Now, uh, every home and every life I've ever seen needs a little bit of work, right? A little bit of fixing up. I got a picture up here of some of my favorite fixer-uppers. I think we can get it up there. Oh, yeah, good old, good old Gaines there, Chip and Joanne Gaines. We got to love them, don't we? Man, you people love a house that the fixer-uppers come in and work on. And you may be the type of person, you love to fix stuff. You love to fix it up. Or maybe you can't fix anything, and you're best not, e- not to even try. But here's the thing. All of us have got areas in our life we'd like to look better. We'd like to see improved. And we would love to have somebody, a family member's best if they can do it, right? If, because they understand what we're looking for. And they know that, that we know that it's going to be cheaper, but also it's going to be less painful because they're going to work in the scope of the family. I think Jesus is a lot like that. If you will invite him into your life to dwell and live, he will find an area of your life that needs to be fixed up, and he will work on it until he completes it and then do another, and and he will do a renovation project on every aspect of your life. It's what the Bible calls transformation. Another word that we don't use as much as sanctification. It's being made holy, being made like Jesus. See, he wants your life to be better home for the Holy Spirit. But, but let me just say this, that unlike our home projects, we, we shouldn't think about them in the same way because we all got projects in our home that we know need to be done, but we don't want to touch. They're just too big, and they're too messy, and they're too expensive, and they're too uncomfortable, and we're just going to let them go like they are. We dread it, and we put them off indefinitely if possible. But we ought to embrace the transformation that Christ brings, knowing that everything the Spirit does, He does to improve and add value to our lives, and we ought to feel free to ask Him to move in our life. The why is, pr- is for yearning, for yearning. Prayer is a longing to be in Christ and to know Christ. Here's what Paul says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Notice that phrase, rooted and established. That's, that's what Paul's praying for them, and that speaks of depth and commitment and experience, that this is not just the surface level. This is really in you. You know, I believe that prayer is, uh, is to be a strong seeking for something, that there should be a longing or a yearning to know God better, to experience the presence of God, to find some depth, some experience, some stability in our lives. I don't know about you, but, but many times when I pray, there's a desperation to, to know from God. I want to I I and need to hear from God what God's doing because of our own deep need. And Jesus said, if you will seek me, then you will find me. So when we yearn to know what God's will is, we can go to him and pray, and God will reveal that to us. Even though it may not be what we're looking for or what we expect or think we want, if we understand it's from God and we yearn it for it in that way, then God will give us peace. Are you yearning for God today? Do you you long to know what God wants? If not, it is really easy for us to resist, to grieve, or to quench what the Bible calls quenching the Holy Spirit's work in our life. But if you yearn for Him in prayer, you're going to develop some deep roots, some trust, 
and it will nourish your life. And you're going to be, you're going to find, uh, be filled wide, deep, long, and high with the love of Christ. Now, that's kind of interesting, those four words, because uh, speaking of, of uh, decorations and fixing up, I am told that the early Christians, they probably did not decorate their homes like we do today to that extent. However, they did have a way that they would decorate their homes and remind them of Jesus. They would take a small cross and they would write on the arms of the cross, they would write these four words, breath, length, height, and depth. And they would put that on the wall and that would be a reminder to them of the love, of the extent of the love of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the love of God, the love of Christ is culminated in the picture of the cross. That's pretty cool, isn't it? To think that they had that even back in that day. All right, let's move on. The E is expecting, expecting. Prayer is expecting or anticipating. If you pray and you don't have any thought that God might provide the answer, then I, I think that's praying without faith and that probably is worthless prayer. But whenever we pray, we should do uh, some expecting or some anticipating that God is really going to answer. Here's what he said, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his work, his power that is at work within us. So here's the thing. Whatever you might expect God to do or ask for, Paul says that God can do much more than that. Because God is an unlimited Father who loves us and wants to do and give good things to us. He is just waiting for us to ask. Can you just imagine that maybe there are so many things in life that God would love to give to you, but you never ask for them? Never ask. We have enough blessings. We have tons of blessings. But what if there were so much more, not, not material things, I'm not, that's where our mind goes, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the other things in life, that, that God longs to us, the blessings, the good things in life. So what God says, I'm going to give you this invitation to ask me and understand that no matter what you ask for, I could give a whole lot more than that. To know that your God, your dad, the God of the universe can do so much more than you and I could ever even ask or imagine. So we ought to ask big, we ought to think big, dream big, we ought to act big because this is what God wants from our life. Not only to do things for us, but through us as his Holy Spirit is unleashed in us. And that part of our identity in Jesus Christ, that's who he's making us to become and be. That's transformation. You know, I love to see the transformation in people as Christ moves into their lives and, and he begins to remake them and grow them. That's one of the things I love about our groups, uh, that I get the chance to see that on the front lines. And, and uh, Griff and I spent several years in, in group together, so I, I love seeing that story, seeing how God's unfolding it in his life. But, but I see that in the lives of other people just as we get a chance to know people and invest in people and see how God teaches them. You know, uh, a lot of times we start a group, people are not comfortable praying at all. Uh, but over time, people begin to pray out loud, you know, and, and so prayer grows. But I also see people begin to step up to lead a group or, or become a deacon or an elder or leaders in our church and just grow and lead their family or their marriages heal. I just see God doing those incredible things. And whenever we come and expect God to do something big, God's always faithful, always faithful. All right, here we are, the R. R is revealing, revealing the glory of God. Let's, uh, let's read there. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I think what prayer does is to open our eyes up to the glory of God and how God is glorified. Because when you come out of a prayer time, you ought to see God in a new light. You ought to experience God in a new way. Prayer opens our eyes up to see God in a deeper way. Now, of course, the Bible says that God is glorified 
primarily through Jesus Christ, but also through the church and through the prayers of the church. See, our relationship is not just with Christ. It is also with the body of Christ. And, and, and as we pray, we see that picture begin to unflow, unfold. And understand that what God wants to do in your life is not just about you. It's not just about making you, you know, know more or closer to him. He is revealed as it is made known in the body life of the church. That's why we need one another so desperately. It's not just about me and not just about you. It's about the, the, the church, the kingdom of God. Let me give you an example. I have a wonderful relationship with my kids, and we're talking about family, each of my children. But it's not just me and them because they also have a relationship with their mom, they have a relationship with one another. Now they're starting to have a relationship with each other's you know, spouses and significant others. They have a relationship with their grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and, and everything. And that's kind of how the church is. Because our family life is kind of revealed when we all come together and we all love on each other and have, have relationships and grow. And our church life is revealed when we all come together and come to love each other and share and meet each other's needs. Because if you have a relationship with Christ, it includes relationship within the church as well. That we are to glorify God by our worship of Christ and by our relationship within the church. In fact, Jesus said that the world would know that we are believers. How? Because we claim it? No, because of the love that we have for one another. That's how the world knows that we have a relationship with God. But through all of this, we bring the glory to God. In fact, our greatest goal as a believer is to glorify God. I shared with you before that we have an end statement for our church, and the number one thing that we want to do is glorify God. We want to be a church that just glorifies Him in the body life of the church, through our love, through our personal lives, in every way that God is glorified. Now, the world around us, it has a glory problem, doesn't it? St. Augustine, who was an early Christian uh, preacher, said, once the glory issue is settled, all the other issues are settled. And, and if your life is all about the glory, seeking the glory for you, then that's going to be a huge issue. God's going to have to change some of that in your life. And you start to say, you know what? It's not about me. It's, a, it's about God. It's about giving him all the glory. And we break that cycle in our life. When we glorify God, we have joy in our life because we discover, you know what? This is what we're made for. We were made to find joy and peace and satisfaction. And only can we find that by giving God all the glory and the honor. And so when we go into an issue, we ought to ask the question, you know, what's going to glorify God? What's going to glorify God? Maybe that's how our prayers should be formed. God, what will glorify you in this? I know what I want. It's obvious what I think is best, God. But, but what I really want is, God, what will glorify you? And when our prayers get to that place, that we're revealing the glory of God through our prayers and how we pray, man, I think there's some growth there. So to wrap it up, prayer is personal, relational, it is asking, it's yearning, it's expecting, and revealing the glory of God. And whenever we pray, I believe God moves. And we mobilize. Sometimes I think we might even not just mobilize God moving us, but we're mobilizing heaven as it moves when we're praying according to God's will and for his glory. And God moves. God is waiting for us just to, to, to hear what we pray and ask for. God moves, but we move too. It moves us into alignment with him, or maybe to take the next step in our journey. So who am I in Christ? Well, I'm an imperfect human being with a lot of needs, who needs to be heard, probably like every one of us in this room. But I have a loving Heavenly Father who is just waiting to hear from me and who delights in giving me the things that I seek, the best gift in life. 
Now, my question for you today as we wrap up is, do you have that same father? Are you a part of that family that we described? Is God your father? Is Jesus your savior and your Lord and your older brother in the family? And is God's spirit in your life? Have you received his spirit by becoming a part of his family? And I will tell you the only way for that to happen is for you to surrender your life to Jesus. And if you have not done that, I would love to have a conversation with you this week. We're encouraging people to look toward Easter, not that Easter is a special day that that we shouldn't have decisions any other time, but, but it's a great day to say, you know what, let's make this the day that we nail it down and we say, my life is in Christ and I've made a decision. And I would love to talk to you if you need to make that decision. Let's pray together. Father, we just come to you this morning as broken human beings. And Lord, uh, we know that the issues of life that we have are beyond our understanding. God, they're so much bigger than we are. So Lord, I pray that as we seek your face, as as we come to you, you would give us this new freedom, maybe a greater understanding, uh, maybe just a, a more comfortable thought that you do care and you're waiting to hear from us. And for those in in our number today who maybe just don't pray ever, that, God, you would give them the confidence to know that you care. God, for for people who who prayer is just the only thing we know to do when nothing else works, God, will you please give us confidence to know it should be the first thing we do and not the last. And, God, for all of us, help us to grow in our walk and our commitment with you. God, we love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.